ADP knows anything you hear, anything you don't hear, anything you kind of heard, anything you weren't supposed to hear and now have to pretend like you didn't can change the world of work. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. Elon Musk has turned Tesla into the poster child of American innovation. Few people have negative things to say about the company's cars. But ask investors about the stock, and you're likely to get a very different set of reactions. I'm Alex Ewell. Welcome to The Readback. Today we're joined by Barron senior writer David Marino-Natchison. Hey, David. Hi there, Alex. You cover a lot of things at Barron's. You have the cool beat of innovation, basically. But if I had to guess, it seems like you spend probably a third of your time covering just Tesla. So tell us what that's like. Well, it's a lot of fun, Alex, but I think you're right. Some days it feels like even more than a third of my time. The fact is there's a lot to write about when you cover Tesla. I sort of see three themes that make it a endless font of stories. One is that it's led by Elon Musk, who is sort of a unique individual and executive. For sure. One is that the company itself is fascinating in terms of the sort of innovation that it's brought to the motor vehicle space. And then the third is this never-ending question about its sustainability and what kind of an investment it is, whether it's a bust that's about to happen or one of the greatest booms of our time. I want to hit all three of those points because they're all fascinating. But let's start with Elon Musk. Just tell us a little bit more about who he is and what makes him so fascinating. You know, the funny thing is that when you ask that question, I imagine that a lot of listeners do already know who Elon Musk is, or at least they've heard of him. Elon Musk is more than a CEO. He is very out there. My issue is that I don't have a filter, not that I have too much of a filter. He's a sort of unique presence. If you had like crack cocaine on Mars, like in prepackaged, you know, pallets, (laughs) it still wouldn't make sense to transport it back here. and a fascinating individual. The Model X is now over two years late. What went wrong? Well, I do have an issue with punctuality. (laughs) (laughs) People have likened him to Tony Stark, the creator of Iron Man, a comic book character. Others sort of see him as as a comic book villain. Whatever you think, he's pretty unique as far as CEOs go. I mean, in addition to Tesla, he owns a space exploration company. February the 6th, 2018. Elon Musk launches the world's most powerful active rocket, catapults his Tesla sports car into space, and vertically lands two of the rocket boosters simultaneously. He makes flamethrowers and tequila. He owns a company that digs holes in the ground. Elon Musk's boring company wants to solve soul-crushing gridlock with a network of tunnels that take people and cars up to 150 miles an hour under our very feet. So he's got big ideas. Huge ideas. This is clearly a person who, A, has big dreams and also has the ability to make them happen, who lives a very kind of out there public life and someone who kind of likes to live by his own rules. He's spotted at galas, dressed in tuxedos with pop stars. Elon Musk sent his Tesla to the moon, so nothing he does should be a surprise. But arriving at the Met Gala with the pop star Grimes definitely gave people a shock. He went on Joe Rogan's podcast and smoked marijuana on air. Yes, I remember that one. He said, it's legal, right? I think was his quote as he was doing it. I mean, it's legal, right? Totally legal. And he sort of lives life on Twitter very publicly in a very unusual way. We've come to expect CEOs to be sort of very boring and measured people who follow kind of unwritten rules of the kind of behavior uh, CEOs should have. And Musk clearly doesn't care about those rules, and nor do I suppose he necessarily has to. 
give us kind of a flavor of, of some of the things that he's tweeting about. Well, he's worth a follow, uh, even if you don't care about the company or the stock, because of the way that he sort of just goes about his business on Twitter. In a given day, he might engage with a customer who has an idea for a feature that the cars ought to have, saying, hey, that's a great idea. We'll, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> he might retweet a meme. He might make a joke, a really stupid joke. Maybe only he gets. One of the things he does like to tweet about is the company financials. That hasn't gone so well for him, has it? It has created problems. Last summer, he tweeted that he was contemplating taking the company private. With um, a price, right? With, uh, with a price of uh, $420 per share. Yeah. That boosted the stock. And that led to, uh, to an investigation from the SEC. Because there was a problem, which was that that it wasn't happening. <laughs> that it wasn't really a real deal, right? <laughs> and that turned out to be not the sort of thing that investors wanted him tweeting about. And if you're a CEO, you just, you don't do that, right? You t- this is, that's like sacrosanct. You can't talk about your company being bought as if it's some sort of joke because there's hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars riding on everything that comes out of your mouth. And in this case, the SEC didn't treat it as a joke. They ended up investigating him and and potentially accusing him of securities fraud. And in the end, he signed a settlement that required him to pay a substantial fine and also to give up his seat uh, as chairman of the company. And that's still going on now because he hasn't exactly respected that settlement, has he? Earlier this year, he posted a tweet about production levels that the SEC argued essentially was a restatement of financially material information that he should have uh, had cleared uh, before he published it. Because it was somewhat misleading, potentially. Potentially misleading or confusing or however you want to word it. Right. The SEC and Musk didn't agree on how they on how they felt about it. And they are still uh, going back and forth over whether or not he's in contempt of the agreement he made with the government. Last yeah. Year. And it feels like the more anyone pushes back on him, and largely many times that's the SEC, the more he kind of just pushes back himself, right? I don't think he much likes certain types of scrutiny. He said during the conference call last week that uh, he, he, he conjured up a Warren Buffett story about how having a public company is uh, like uh, having someone stand outside in front of your house and yell different prices at you all day. And I suppose that's kind of true, but that goes with the territory. Right. I think we talked about that, and I remember saying, well, then don't put your house on the market. Indeed. Of course, Tesla does go far beyond Elon Musk. And at the top of the show, you mentioned that this company has been a fascinating growth story for so many years. Take us through that a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, The company was founded in 2003, and they sort of started as a company that made very expensive, extremely desirable electric cars. Uh, There was a Roadster, and then there was the Model S, this sort of very sexy, high-end sedan. The Tesla Model S, Motor Trend's car of the year car that may lead other cars in no longer taking from the earth, but accepting from the sun. And those cars really sort of created demand for electric cars and made them an object of desire. And demand that didn't really exist before, right? I mean, they were able to sell many, many, many more thousands of them than I think many people would have thought were possible. Yeah. Now we're in, I guess, what you might call a second phase of of Tesla's growth, where in order to sort of live up to the valuation that they've commanded and that people imagine it could have, they're trying to become more of a mass market car. So consequently, you've got the Model 3, a smaller sedan that you can buy for as little as 
$35,000. You have coming the Model Y, a sort of crossover SUV that's based loosely on the Model 3. And so as to, in order to get there, they need to make many, many, many more cars. They need to serve the world much more aggressively. They're building a factory in China. They're starting to ship more vehicles to Europe so that even if demand in the United States may slow, they have ostensibly this large foreign market where there are should be lots of demand for electric vehicles. And it seems to me like that reality of being the mass market car maker, and probably this is part of what Elon Musk feels, is just not nearly as much fun as being that startup maker of luxury cars, right? I mean, we all, a lot of us had questions as to whether the Model 3 could really ever happen, whether they could reach hundreds of thousands of cars a year. Musk himself called it production hell, Production right? hell. I think there's some truth to that. And and I think that, you know, the more, more cars you need to make, the more cars you need to ship, the more logistics you have to deal with. These less expensive cars also, uh, also have thinner profit margins. Right. And, you know, as a company that doesn't always turn a profit, that matters, which is also why people spend so much attention looking at how many Model S's and Model X's they still sell. And those go for what? Still 80,000 80, and up? And up, yeah. And of course, when you think about Ford and General Motors, they are those mass market car producers. No one gets very excited about GM you know, or Chevy these days. They don't, you know, although those companies are trying to get increasingly into electric vehicles themselves. Right, true. But I think that's largely because they have a history of delivering. They have a large base of profits. You sort of know where that business is coming from. Yeah. And, and when Tesla, it's all still being explored. Kind of every quarter is, is a new adventure. Yeah. And so they're sort of stuck between this really sexy startup and this boring mass market car producer. But at the same time, I think they still want you to think of them as as a really sexy startup, and they're doing that in a number of ways. I mean, they they are they're talking about new vehicles coming, even beyond those we already have. Uh, there's a new Roadster coming. Apparently, a semi truck is going to launch next year. He's talked about a pickup truck, and he's also looking beyond consumer cars into things like a robot taxi network that would essentially put Tesla in competition with Uber and Lyft. Yeah. Right. On the latest earnings call just last week, he talked about selling insurance. Whether that's out of imagination, creativity, <laughs> uh, a desire to kill every business on earth and make it his own, clearly the company has still has very ambitious dreams, even beyond becoming a mass market seller of cars. Let's get to the stock, because at the end of the day, as business journalists, that's what we spend a lot of time on. Is Tesla still facing questions, do you think, about its very existence among investors? I think it absolutely is. And it's not just because people are conspiracy theorists or making things up. Elon Musk has said things that conjure up questions about the company's survivability. In November, he was on television talking about how the company faced a severe threat of death during early Model 3 production. Essentially, the company was bleeding money like crazy. And, and just if, if we didn't solve these problems in a very short period of time, uh, we would die. Uh, and it was extremely difficult to solve them. And earlier this year, when they launched the $35,000 Model 3, they talked about remaining financially sustainable. We will be um, closing some stores, uh, and uh, that there will be some reduction headcount as a result. Um, there's no question about that. There's, there's no other way for us to achieve the, the, the savings required to provide this car and be financially sustainable. So, you know, that's coming out of the CEO's own mouth, and that, I think, contributes to every bit of news that this company generates being viewed as fueling questions about whether or not the company can live or die. And it seems to be why the stock just can be so volatile 
it's like everything that gets said becomes that make or break moment. Right or wrong, it definitely takes on sort of a, an oversized importance. At present, things are being interpreted pretty negatively. On Friday, we saw that the stock fell below $240 for the first time since early 2017. And that broke what technical analysts would call a resistance level, something that people thought, well, if it goes any lower than that, it's going to keep falling. Right. So we're now in this point where we don't know how far it could fall from here. I suppose not. And, you know, you asked at the beginning what it's like to cover the company. Part of the reason that I think we write about it so much is because no matter what happens, there's a pretty good chance the stock is going to move pretty dramatically on almost any type of story or detail that that hits the market. Right. And Elon Musk, of course, would hate this conversation about day-to-day stock movements. So let's do something else and let's kind of take a step back and think about the long term. Where do you think this company and this stock is 10 years down the line? (laughs) Um, To put you on the spot. I'm definitely on the spot. I think the way that I would answer that is to think about how the company envisions its own future. Elon Musk has a relatively uh, new contract with very, very, very aggressive performance-based targets for what the company needs to do for him to get paid. He's not taking in any cash right now. And if it meets all of those targets, which are incredibly, incredibly ambitious, he would probably be the richest person on earth, uh, or if not one of the very few. So they clearly have very, very big vision for where this thing can go. Can you give us a sense of kind of how big these goals are? Absolutely. Uh, What we're talking about is the opportunity for him to earn more than $50 billion in stock and awards. That's based on a market capitalization target of $650 billion. That's massive. That's massive. To give you a sense of where it is now, it's closer to $40 billion. So you're talking about many, 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 many times what the company is worth today. So Elon Musk is tasked with this huge goal, but I think there's still an open question as to whether or not Elon Musk is the right person to get Tesla to that kind of crazy $650 billion market value level, right? I mean, I guess it's fair to ask that question. It's fair to ask whether anybody could do that. And I think what Bulls would tell you is that if anybody can, Elon Musk is the man for the job. All right. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. For David and Barron's ongoing coverage about Tesla, check out Barron's.com. I'm Alex Ewell. The show is produced by Meta Lutzhoft. The Readback will return next Wednesday. The Claude 3 model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com Claude.